start off with a quick apology and a factual correction uh, thanks to Michael Darling and our research department uh, where our podcast guest host misspoke um, about the premiere year for Pokemon Red and Green. Uh, it was actually premiered in 1995 as we speculated. No, it, it came out in 1996 as we speculated. Oh, Brett said it came out in 95. Yeah, so This is a rare correction inside a correction. Oh, wow. So, me- so meta. Meta correction. <laughs> meta correction, folks. Yeah. Well, for this slip, Brett has been placed in the in Bill's PC, where he can hopefully transform into a Digimon podcast host. Uh, but this week we have a... I like that you're hopeful about that. Hey. This is Michael Darling, by the way, co-host of this fine little podcast we got here. I was just about to introduce you, but instead I'm going to introduce our uh, guest host for this week. Kev Kozer. Kev, thanks for joining us. So uh, before we dive into our first game of the day, would you like to tell us a little bit about your uh, experience with Pokemon? And Oh, yeah, I very clearly remember when I first played Pokemon. It was because it was like my first trip to Disney World. I say first trip, that makes that family sound so bougie. <laughs> but it was a trip to Disney World. But I've received Pokemon Go gifts from you from Disney World, so... Yes, we have gone more than once. <laughs> um, anyways, our flight was delayed until like... Five in the morning or so, I'm on Godly Hour. No way my parents could keep me and my little brother occupied. It was with surprise Christmas present, Pokemon Gold and Silver. Nice. So those were your first were Gold and Silver? I, no, wait. I did actually have Blue. I must have had Blue before. Now I mentioned that. Hmm. And, yeah, I think because I think maybe Game Boy, I got it and then had Blue. But I guess I don't remember much playing that because my first one there is very clearly playing that Gold and Silver on the plane. Hmm. Nice. And, yeah, I played... Almost every generation since, but there's definitely a clear trend where it's like, you look at my old copy of Emerald, and it's like 200 hours logged, Heart Gold's like 100 hours logged, and Pokemon Y is like 30 hours logged, and Pokemon <laughs> Sun is on my DS unplayed. Aww. I'm finally Seven. getting my hours in on Pokemon Let's Go Eevee after mm-hmm. multiple generations of sitting completely on the bench, so I feel you on that one. Don't worry, you're with yeah. your folk. I'm excited to play Pokemon Sun, though, because I have the hot take. I'll just come in hot here. <laughs> uh, I think every generation is better than the last in my experience. Oh, hmm. I like it, I generation like it. Generation 1 is a buggy mess of a lot of uncreated Pokemon. Generation 6 has a lot of great... Like, every change they make, like physical special split, uh, new types, etc., only improved the game in my eyes. And so I really loved why, uh, even though I was then a college student into the workforce and didn't have time to play it like the <laughs> other ones. But yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to Sun whenever I find the time to get around to it. You hear that, Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons? This franchise is on a constant upward trend. Learn from it. But Kev, it's great to hear that your parents, specifically your mom, took you to Disney World. My mom actually contributed to this podcast. Would you like to play a game with us? Yes. What if he said no? Like, what would we do? Would we just just, have to end the episode? Yeah, I guess I have to leave. Yeah, I would ask him politely to leave. I would show him the door. (laughs) (laughs) Unplug his mic. All right, so here we go for this week's Mon Mom, which, to remind the listeners, this is where I send my mother one of the Pokemon that we're discussing this week, and this week we'll be going through the Vulpix, the Jigglypuff, the Oddish, and the Zubat families. One of these Pokemon is what my mom is about to describe. So here we go. It looks like Humpty Dumpty dancing. 
I call her Honeybell. So, Honeybell. Honeybell mm-hmm. is the Pokemon in question here. I This is a tough one for me, because there's lots of good options. Again, we're dealing with nine monsters this week. But I'm going to say that it's Wigglytuff. That seems the most Humpty Dumpty to me, uh, albeit with bunny ears. But I'm going to go with Wigglytuff. I was torn between two. Since you said Wigglytuff, I'll go to my... That makes the decision for me. I'm going to say <laughs> it might be Vileplume. Because I think Vileplume has a very dancey looking sprite. Maybe I misremembered from Pokemon Snap, but it did look very sort of free-spirited and dancey. And then the Honeybell. And hmm. like sort of like flower, sort of nectar and such. And also Bell Awesome is one of its forms. I know your mom might not know that, but <laughs> uh, that's maybe where my mind is taking me, so. I would say that you're giving my mom credit for even saying might not know that. My mom definitely does not. <laughs> um, but I love the reasoning and the pathos you're giving this discussion and thinking of my mo- on my mom's part, Kev, but unfortunately you're wrong. Michael Darling, you are correct. Two-time champion. We'll put a leaderboard eventually on the listener notes um so i will launch us into this episode's uh, main discussion by saying that i really wanted to send my mom the first pokemon we're going to discuss just because i love this pokemon um but i didn't because it would have been way too obvious so darling would you like to give us the basic bio on uh vulpix vulpix is a fire type except for in the alola region where it is an ice type and you first encounter a little old vulpix on route seven and it's only in the blue version okay Kev, any thoughts on Vulpix to start us off that you want to share? Uh, It's definitely, like, high-tier cute Pokemon. Like, just on cuteness alone, it's a real uh, high-ranker. I mean, you have, like, a little fox face and tails and everything, and I can see why it's a popular one, because... And, like, that's a big thing in the anime, too. Brock had one, even though he was a rock gym leader, because it was just cute, and he could brush it, and (laughs) it was adorable. I like that he did decide to have a Pokemon that wasn't his type, but it was also still weak to water. <laughs> I respect that dedication. I mean, in Pokemon, fire beats steel, and I will always take Firefox over Chrome. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have you been saving that one? I set it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I you know, this is another one of those Pokemon whose popularity does kind of penetrate outside the fandom. And I did mention this before we came in here that... Um, I've heard in passing, and I have not, I did not venture too far down to mess with my internet history um, <laughs> for the, to research this one. But I do private believe, browsing window, buddy. Hey, incognito only carries you so far. Um, but I did want to, but I did hear that Vulpix is apparently a favorite amongst the furry community as a sort of representative of fursonas and things like that. And I just think it's always really interesting when. You know, we discussed Pikachu already. We hit the big guy who's really had that cultural penetration of being in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. You know, this is a franchise that across uh, a number of ways has penetrated different communities, different cultures. And Vulpix is a surprising example of that where, hey, it's even crossing into a uh, sexual identity community. And for the record, I'm going to state this for the podcast, and this is a standing thing amongst me and my friends, is that we do not kink shame. Hashtag no kink shaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I just think it's great that, like, this is a franchise that allows you to imprint so much and associate so much in just so many different ways and so many different avenues. Well, I mean, and then it's also interesting that, like, this is just kind of happening, like, very quietly in the Mm -hmm. subcommittee. I don't know if Nintendo's not aware of it or if Nintendo's response is just to kind of let it happen, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, it's always interesting to see how different corporations respond to this sort of thing, so... Like, Tony the Tiger? Tony the Tiger, (laughs) who who was not happy with furries constantly (laughs) flirting with Tony on uh, on Twitter. (laughs) 
Ashley Feinberg is an amazing writer who currently works at HuffPo. And she had a piece just finding out, you know, what's going on with Tony the Tiger. Because uh, Kellogg's deleted Tony the Tiger's Twitter account because everyone was responding like, fuck me, daddy, to Tony the Tiger's just <laughs> benign little serial tweets. <laughs> Such a funny bit lasted, though. I miss it. It's almost... My other favorite, which is still going on, was for some reason... And this one, I have no idea what the origin is. I don't think anyone knows. But people keep responding to the Keebler Elves Twitter account just asking, what is the sexuality of the elves? I mean, I but, would kind of like to know that. Yeah, but it's important for the mythos. Uh, but yeah, so Ashley Feinberg had this great article where she tried to reach out to Kellogg's and find out, hey, why'd you delete Tony the Tiger's account? Was it because of the furries? <laughs> Ashley Feinberg is just a genius, and you should read anything she writes. And then on the flip side of that, where you have a company very quietly deleting a Twitter account under spurious things like that, <laughs> we have the flip side where Chester Cheeto just welcomed yeah. all yeah. followers. Chester <laughs> Cheeto is horny on Maine. Which fits the character persona. I yeah. Mean, look at him with yeah. the sunglasses and everything. Yeah, he is a sleazeball. You can tell. Yeah, and Nintendo kind of runs this weird, like, middle ground where, you know, there's the joke tweet from uh, Miyamoto where he's saying, I've seen the <laughs> pictures you all are drawing of Luigi and Mario. Please do not do that. From a fake Miyamoto, it's account, a to be fake clear. Miyamoto but it's still, there. it's become canon. Also, just, you know, moving a little more mainstream, back in my OKCupid okay days, I noticed there were a lot of women, when OKCupid okay still allowed nicknames rather than your actual name, uh, there were a lot of women who had Vulpix as part of their nickname. I thought, what's the deal there? Maybe they all respond to a cute redhead or something. And mm -hmm. they consider themselves foxy. Was it a redhead? Were they all redheads? I mean, I think that's kind of a good point there. I mean, it varied, but... So there you go. Um, but Nintendo's always kind of had the, like this interesting middle ground in terms of their response to that level of fan community. I mean, I think the most recent thing that they drew a line was Bowsette. Oh, uh, yeah, about <laughs> to bring it up. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, Bowsette, explain that to the audience. Okay, yeah. so... Uh, the latest Mario platformer game has basically Toadette as a playable character. And another thing a lot of recent Nintendo games do is... Toadette, who is Black Block Antifa, for those of you keeping of score course. at home. Yeah. Uh, Toadette and... Backing up. <laughs> what Nintendo has done for a lot of the recent games is sort of this cheat function where if you're like a seven-year-old gamer and you get stuck, you have a power-up that can help you beat levels easier. And the power-up for this new Mario platformer, oh, it's New Super Mario Brothers U for Switch or something like that. The most confusing name ever. Yes. Um, is a crown that turns Toadette into a Super Peach. Why Toadette into Peach? Unexplained. One of those Nintendo mysteries that abound in the company's history. Well, I have a theory. But it's like a Toadie Peach, isn't it? Well, yeah, she she's got like kind of... The pigtails. I think okay. my theory is that Peach... Being a despotic ruler of a kingdom has a lot of doubles like Saddam Hussein did. But yeah, people then play that classic improv game, if this is true, what else is true? <laughs> what if Bowser had that crown and became Peach? <laughs> and people got real horny on me. <laughs> and thus Bowsette was born. And there's another hit to my Google search history. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Bowsette, what is the official Nintendo response to this? Did they have one? Because I do know that people looked they in... They did come out and make a statement, but not about, like, they just said that Bowsette is not possible. Bowser Although, cannot wear, like, they just basically yeah. shot it down as impossible in the universe. Although they did find, like, someone found that in, like, the art of Super Mario Odyssey or something, there was a what-if... 
Bowser used his uh, throwing cap to possess Peach. Huh. And so you had, like, this weird kind of Bowsery Peach, but not fully Bowsette. But then that raises all kinds of weird, like, just with the whole thing that Bowser kidnapped Peach to try to force her to marry him, which in the Me Too era was just a <laughs> problematic-ass <laughs> plot line to go with. It's, let's just keep it to, Nintendo, here's my tip for you guys. Let's just keep it to dynastic control. Let's not make it, like, that level of that type of kidnapping. He's just trying to stage a coup. Well, the Mario games are about a kingdom's uh, lower classes rising up to overthrow the monarchy. And you play as the realm's chief assassin and his dopey brother Luigi. That sums it up. I mean, you're the proletariat tool of the existing and established power. Mm. Yeah. You are a working man who is deciding to protect the established order for no other reason than the promise of cake. Welcome to Marxist Mario, a podcast about Marxist Mario. (laughs) People often call Mario video games for scab. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I'm going to just force this back to Vulpix, which... I don't know how, but yeah, let's just... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna barrel through, which is to say that this I, I started off by saying I love this Pokemon. It's one of my favorite. It is the it is now I remember in researching for this episode, this is the reason why I bought Pokemon Blue. Um, mm. this Pokemon was exclusive to the blue version and you know, I just again speaking to just it being genetically engineered cuteness as a little fox, and we've talked about animal archetypes that will recur. There are other fox-inspired Pokemon mm-hmm. that we'll see later on, much later on. Um, assuming Darling survives podcasting with me, we will get to those episodes in a year, maybe. I'm thinking murder-suicide, so... But this, unlike the uh, Sand Slash that we discussed, you know, we kind of made a joke about um, cultural hegemony and linguistic dominance. Why a Sand Shrew, even though it is clearly made of ice, is still called a Sand Shrew in Alola. Um, in this case, uh, the Pokedex actually references that there is an Alolan name for this Pokemon, which is weird that they don't go with that in for other Pokemon, which we can speculate what the hell that means. Yeah. But, uh, but I did check with a friend of mine who grew up in Hawaii. The name for this Pokemon for Vulpix's ice form is Keo Keo, which is Hawaiian for white. So just a fun little factoid there. You know, it's funny to me that, again, we have another uh, type that is completely changed in terms of, like, from fire to ice. You know, the sand tree kind of made a little bit more sense to me where that's just felt like, okay, you make sand cold enough, it's bound to frost over. Mm. Don't think that's how sand works. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes more sense than a fox who has a living flame in its stomach somehow freezing over and becoming yeah. complete ice. Yeah, but it True. like it says in the Pokedex as well that it can blow cold air that is like thousands of degrees chilly. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that they went from the has a fire in its belly, literally, to can just freeze things beyond the polar vortex. I like how Vulpix also became this sort of uh, symbol uh, for, like, Alolan Pokemon. The, like, what do you call it? Like, sort of the flag bearer, the front man. Yeah. Was it, you say. Was it one of the first ones revealed as a Alolan? Mm-hmm. One of the first ones, uh. if not the first one in the trailer revealed. And then also just because, like, the contrast of fire and ice, like, the ice one looks just as if not even cuter than the mm-hmm. fire one. They're both very fluffy. Yeah, it really sold people on the concept really quickly. Mm. <laughs> just yep. to see, oh, wow, this Vulpix with sparkles. <laughs> and <laughs> beautiful sparkles. white coloring. And so uh, I think that's probably why they put it in Smash, finally, after so many generations they ignored, is because you have these... It's such, like, a poster child for... As we're in, for a poster child yeah. of... 
uh, this sort of contrast in regular and lowland forms, and then you put it in smashing up both those forms in Smash to sort of show this aspect of Pokemon in the big crossover game. Yeah. And it's Alternate the only... Theory, though. Oh, well, Alternate I was just going to say, it's the only Pokemon that's in Smash as a summonable Pokemon that is available in both its regular and Alolan form. Like, My alternate theory of why it made it in Smash was just uh, search engine optimization. Bulbic <laughs> shows up on the internet thanks to so many OkCupid profiles and so many Reddit posts about personas. Wait, are you suggesting <laughs> that Nintendo saw that people were searching Smash Vulpix and decided to just go with it? That explains Incineroar, too. <laughs> they, I think Nintendo was. I think Nintendo somehow and got Isabel. tapped in. Nintendo got tapped into your OkCupid DMs, darling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, they had little you know, name plates that appeared on screen. And for John Lennon's, they said, sorry, ladies, he's taken. So <laughs> I just want to throw that out there for myself as well. I can think of no better way to do this than to just, again, barrel forward, head down, and just say that, uh, you know, segue into our next Pokemon, yeah. which is that... Um, Let's use that Firestone for the classic form and that Ice, <laughs> ice Stone for the Alolan form mm -hmm. and move on to Ninetales. Unless, Kev, do you have anything you wanted to say about Vulpix? Oh, no, I was just pulling up Ninetales facts. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ready to move on. Ninetales facts. Okay. Well, the main thing I did want to point out here is that, you know, especially with Ninetales and, you know, we've previewed this fact with another Pokemon, uh, Duck with Stick, who I love bringing up. Um, <laughs> that there is... Okay, Fartsfetch. Uh, Duck with Stick and even Wartortle bear uh, parallels and allusions to Japanese folklore. This is very much the case with Vulpix and with Ninetales. Um, foxes are prominent figures in Japanese folklore. Um, you know, I did some research. Uh, kitsune, and please forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, um, are Japanese foxes of folklore. They're clever, they're shapeshifters. And if they live long enough, they grow nine tails. And when they have a ninth tail, they become god. Um, which means that the nine tails in Pokemon is somewhat underpowered because we have god coming up in maybe 50 episodes. But for now... More than 50, I'd say. <laughs> Arceus be praised. But yeah, so guys, so nine tails, give us the, uh, give us the biology and the, uh, well, and the uh, factual stuff, darling. So it's still just a normal fire type when it's the Kanto form. But the Alolan form gains a fairy type, making it ice and fairy which is a really cool combination, except for it's got a double weakness to steel, which, that's painful. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, one Metagross comes in and those Ninetales are done. And thankfully there's not that many steel attacks. Like, you don't really know anything with steel as an attacking type, hmm. but yeah, if one is out there, yeah. it's doomed. I've seemed to, in my recent playthroughs of basically everything, I somehow always wind up with a steel, and I don't know oh. why, but yeah. I like steel. I think they're good steel combos, but we'll get to that when we actually find some steel types. So, yeah, uh, so Ninetales. Ninetales brings us to one of our favorite features of this program, Ash Ketchum being the worst Pokemon trainer. Baloo, this is your area. So, the Cinnabar Gym. Uh, this is one of those cases where Ash actually went to the Fire Gym, um, per the theming of different gyms. Um, somehow could not beat a fire gym leader with his water Pokemon. Don't know how. And decided to be a complete dumbass and take on a Ninetales with another fire right. type. I want to point out, decided implies that he made a choice. He is a dumbass. That's just his life. I think he honestly, there is a certain amount of self-sabotage in Ash. <laughs> Imposter syndrome, maybe. Oh. Oh. So, yeah, so he 
decides to take on after losing with a water type he decides to take it on with his charizard and i mean the show the so show okay. just enables his dumbassery because charizard wins and you want to know why charizard is the only pokemon that has managed to evolve to its final form amongst his group except for bulbasaur which resists evolving but charizard is just the one that's always soaking up the xp he's just constantly there leeching off of squirtle didn't get any xp he fainted <laughs> Guess who got to come in and clean up house like mm. your skeevy friend who was just at the bar at closing time, <laughs> Charizard. <laughs> so you're saying he's a war criminal and also a skeevy friend. I mean, he's basically Lieutenant Dan if he were a Pokemon. Lieutenant Dan pre-shrimp boat incident. <laughs> so we're agreed the Me Too movement needs to come for Bowser and Charizard. What There's do you have against of... reptiles, Kev? Uh, I have my reasons. <laughs> There are a lot of things that need to come for Charizard, in my opinion. First of all, the Geneva Convention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Charizard's going to go to the Hague. All right, so to bring it back from Charizard, because we already covered him way back in episode one. Um, yeah, the Cinnabar Gem, which I just want to take a moment and talk about my guy, Blaine. Blaine is probably my favorite one of the original eight gym leaders. And it's just weird that in the series they used his original kind of prototypical design where it's just this generic kind of like, what if Neil Young was bald looking guy? Whereas in the game, he's got my favorite design. He's got like pure baldness, weird ass mustache, the little dark sunglasses, the lab coat. And then like when you get to Gen 4, he's in this dapper looking like white pants, red shirt, white vest, white bucket hat kind of look. And then this question mark cane. Plus he's got that funny little like trivia gimmick. And, yeah, I love Blaine. He is probably the best of the original eight gym leaders, and you can fight me about that. In Pokemon, not in Street Fight. I love Blaine, too, but because... Did you ever guys play Pokemon Puzzle League? No, no. Oh, that was a fun game. It was, uh, if you know, like, Tetris Attack, hmm. that sort of style game where you're, like, you're matching three symbols, and then they clear. If you match four, then you drop blocks on your opponent. If you, like, chain them, you drop more blocks... Pokemon Puzzle League was that style game, but you played as characters from the Pokemon anime specifically. Interesting. It was a Pokemon anime themed. Maybe the only game, give or take yellow, which well, is sort of halfway. Snap? Mm, snap also, yeah, yeah. halfway, because you have the anime design for Oak. Mm. But uh, Pokemon Puzzle League was very much, because you play as Ash or Misty or Brock or any of the gym leaders with voice lines from the voice actors from the anime, nice. saying them... Shouting things like, I'm ready, and go, Pikachu! <laughs> Blaine is great in that game, because if you do a combo move with him, he shouts, when you're hot, you're hot! And then you just destroy your opponent. <laughs> Blaine <laughs> should sound like Stanley. I think that's what it should he be. He does. He does a little bit. Yeah. If you, yeah, look up clips from Pokemon Puzzle League. It, you'll probably have a good laugh <laughs> This uh, is This is honestly... It's a, it's a running joke at this point that the internet was disappointed that Detective Pikachu did not have Danny DeVito voicing mm -hmm. Detective Pikachu, mm -hmm. but I just really want Danny DeVito to do a voice in Pokemon somewhere. I really hope that that's like an Easter egg they fit into the movie. Oh, that would make it very nice. That would be good. So, yeah. Blaine, there's my candidate. I think that would be great to hear Blaine say, I gotcha, in Frank's voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, one other Blaine fact, because this is all a Blaine episode now. Uh... When the Cinnabar Island volcano blew up, what did he do? He just went over the seafoam islands, found a little cave, and he made that his gym. He hauled ass and was like, I'm going to keep doing the gym thing just like at a different location since the island's blown up. And that's basically my retirement plan too, so I don't see why we're judging him for it. 
Um, oh, I'm not judging. I'm praising. <laughs> Please, I am supportive. Hashtag Team Blaine. But yeah, so I do have a question for the group, and I'd like some thoughts on this. So I didn't notice that Ninetales name until I started researching the episode, because I'm bad with this sort of thing. I already told Darling how long it took me to realize that Ekans was snake spelled backwards, and I didn't even realize it. Somebody pointed it out to me, and that Arbok was Cobra spelled backwards. I mean, there they trick you with a K. But I only noticed that Ninetales is Ninetales as in stories, not tails that a dog wags so <laughs> it apparently is in the pokemon like the original data for the pokemon game that it was supposed to be spelled tails as in like a tail one wags mm -hmm. as opposed to like a story one tells and so i just realized what the hell does this pokemon have to do with storytelling like what about there's nothing in the lore or the show or anything like that that implies storytelling so what do you guys think they were going for here? <laughs> well, like, here's the thing. There are so many weird, like, mythical references in the Pokedex in general, but Ninetales has several. I was going to say dozens, but there haven't been enough games for that. Uh, but yeah, so in red and blue, it straight up says grabbing one of its tails will cause a thousand-year curse. In yellow, it says it's the reincarnation of nine noble saints. In gold, it says that each tail has a special mystical power. Sapphire, it was created when nine wizards combined into one. Uh, the Alolan form is created as a deity. And I think that's why they gave it the fairy typing in uh, Sun and Moon. Because that way, like, fairy tales, mm. myths, etc. It's considered a deity. Like, it's finally coming into its reasoning for this punny name. And, yeah, I think it's because of the Kitsune myth and then all of the various legends connected with the Pokemon within the world. So that, we'll discuss in a little, another Alolan well, form. Oh, I have more thoughts ahead. on the name. Yeah. Uh, that's a great theory for the name. I love it. I would headcanon it. However, my explanation is a depressing Occam's Razor version. Some poor overworked translator in the 90s <laughs> just had a long day and their mind slipped. Tails, tails, how is it spelled? I don't know. I'm being paid 10 bucks an hour for this. Tight, tight, tight. I mean, in and, the 90s, that was decent money. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and yeah, and it really contributes to Gen 1 just being the lovable mess it is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pokedex entries, I just want to share what I think is the funniest Pokedex entry we've encountered so far. For Ultra Sun, Alolan Ninetales entry, the reason it guides people all the way down to the mountain's base is that it wants them to hurry up and leave. <laughs> it is a passive-aggressive Pokemon, and I respect the hell out of that. I found some great uh, entries, too, doing some research. Full disclosed research I did 10 minutes before recording. But Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire have some great quotes from Omega Ruby. Ninetales casts a sinister light from its bright red eyes to gain total control in its foe's mind. The Pokemon is said to live for a thousand years. Alpha Sapphire, legend has it that Ninetales came to being when nine wizards possessing sacred powers merged into one. This Pokemon is highly intelligent and can understand human speech. Can't all, those, all of them a little bit? Yeah, I was about to say, all those sound really impressive, but first off, they all can understand human speech. That's how Ash is able to say, Pikachu, do the thing. <laughs> and knowing Ash, he would just say, Pikachu, do the thing. Yeah, because it wasn't that Pikachu learned how to do the thing based on training, because as we know, Ash is a lazy asshole who yeah. does not train any of his Pokemon. To train them is not his cause. <laughs> The other pushback I have is it mentions nine wizards merging into one create nine tails. Okay, you got a nine of some putting a firestone to a ball picks. <laughs> what is this embellishment going on here? 
What are you trying to pull? I think it's that like somebody probably lost their Vulpix. The Vulpix found a Firestone out in the wild while it was wandering, and then the Ninetales came home. <gasps> Nine wizards did this! <laughs> I will never get my Vulpix back, but these wizards clearly like me and feel my plight. <laughs> Again, the Pokedex is written by 11-year-olds. Yep, so we've, like, stopped pointing out shinies unless they're interesting colors, and I do want to say that, as I've said, I am a Vulpix Ninetales stan, and I love this shiny. The Ninetales shiny is gunmetal colored, and it is just badass as all hell. I already think the original design for Ninetales, that kind of like canary yellow, like very soft cream color, is like a beautiful, oh, yeah. gorgeous Pokemon yeah. that's just so underrated in my It's opinion. very luxurious as a color. Yeah. I just think, like, I just want to hug it. I just want to hug Ninetales. I asked you and Brett which Pokemon you wanted to hug last week. Guess what? Every week my answer from now on is going to be Ninetales. I just want to hug Ninetales. Do you know what Pokemon I don't want to hug? No. A lot of options. Well, I mean, this... Fucking Jigglypuff for one. That's a Ooh, that's an answer. Yeah. Jigglypuff is like incredibly you know like bouncy, but it's also an asshole. Well, <laughs> so Jiggles, Jiggles, Jiggles the Puff. Uh, type normal slash fairy, albeit it was just normal prior to Gen six when they introduced the fairy type. And it was first encountered on Route 3 in good old Kanto. Yeah, so Kev, I know you're a fan of the show just like I am. I mean, what did you think of the whole Jigglypuff running joke on the show? Very funny the first two. I'll be generous and say three times. And then, uh... Yeah, I, they really ran that joke into the ground, through the ground, and into some magma before they finally gave up on it. And then I think they finally brought Jigglypuff back in the most recent series. Something like that. Um, that makes sense. I did like the showdown between our Jigglypuff and Gengar. That was a good use of that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Gengar was not affected, and then Jigglypuff, because it's a normal type, was not affected by anything that Gengar yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, the main thing that I say about the gag, about the problem with the gag on the show, is that it just became... It wasn't just the fact that they ran out that gag so hard by overuse. It was also that it became, like, a lazy, like, deus ex machina for resolving plots, mm -hmm. or just any time things were, like, at an impasse conflict-wise. Jigglypuff would show up, start singing, everybody would fall asleep, and they'd wake up groggy and like, oh, what were we fighting about again? And I was groggy just and covered in marker, please. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it, and it was just always, you know, adorable to see everybody covered in marker that also doubled as its microphone, which I yeah. couldn't quite tell what was going on. Well, like, I think it's kind of like, you know, when you're in the shower and you're singing into a bottle of shampoo or something. Like, I don't think it actually was a microphone. I think it's just... Looked enough like one with the weird green cap. Oh no, I beg and, to differ. Actually, oh, you're saying there is an episode where it loses that marker along this running gag. Kev remembers this, and it could, and it did not sing until it got the microphone back. And that could be a security blanket thing. Yeah, magic feather like Dumbo. Yeah, Maybe. but either way, so Tim we... Burton's Jigglypuff in <laughs> 2019. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> so we did touch on this before. I mentioned that, and the Detective Pikachu trailer. There was a lot of response to how furry Jigglypuff I was. I have thoughts. Um, now, I do think that Jigglypuff is, by and large, covered in fur. Um, darling, on the episode, I, I think it was last episode, where we, where we had Brett by, um, you mentioned that it should be balloon textured. Yeah. Uh, clarification researching for this episode. It is noted in its subtype as the balloon subtype Pokemon, but it does not in anywhere in its description say that it is balloon textured. Um, just like a blowfish can blow up, like, any number of things can inflate. They don't necessarily have to be balloon textured. That just means they can expand. Hmm. Um, so that being said, 
I don't disagree with you entirely. I do think it was way too furry. It was almost on bordering on shaggy. Yeah, it's I got like all that fur coming off of the ears and everything. That's yeah. where it gets a little too much. Yeah, I pictured it being like a soft felt, like yeah. just yeah. Like super short, fine hair. So that I agree is a misstep. But I mean, like, I feel like there were some people that were just surprised to see that it was covered in fur and not this fleshy monstrosity, which <laughs> I do not want to see a little fleshy ball <laughs> running at me like a naked mole rat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it would be fleshy in real life, quote unquote. Uh, it would be more like balloon texture and maybe with that fine fur. Latexy? Like, yeah, that's even worse. It's a latex-based <laughs> monster. There's one flesh-looking Pokemon in the Detective Pikachu trailer. It is Mr. Mime. That's terrifying. Oh, God. We, we we've, we've touched on Mime, a Mime already in the bonus episode, folks. But we've <laughs> got a lot more creepy things to say about that man with the glove. Well, I guess some more thoughts on Jigglypuff's fur. I have to skip forward to Wigglytuff a bit to discuss this. but We bounce. Yeah. Uh, looking at Pokemon's Wigglytuff, there's a lot of talk about its fur. And it does mention it has a fine fur, which doesn't really jive with the trailer. But you have things in black too and white too, which call its fur so pleasant that if you accidentally touch it, you cannot take your hands away. Which is Twilight Zone level creepy. <laughs> and then the Sun Pokedex says that its fur is gathered and spun into yarn as like a luxury item. I guess keep that in mind for Pokemon uses in the real world. Oh, God, that breaks my head Wiggly Wigglytuff Cashmere. Yeah, that's that's its use in the Pokemon world. That is weird. So I guess it's always... I guess they were following some notes from Nintendo when they Jigglypuff that furry. Yeah, I mean, like, of course, this movie had to go through approval with the Pokemon company. Like, consistently, one would think. But yeah, like, it's just... It speaks to a larger gripe I have, which is that Hollywood keeps trying to turn cartoon characters into realistic 3D things, like the Detective Pikachu monsters, which are all a little bit more faded in color than they are in the classic depictions, uh, or the very furry, disturbingly so, uh, from what we've seen so far, Sonic the Hedgehog that's coming out later mm -hmm. this year, or the terrifying chipmunks of those terrible movies that have come out over the last... Uh, decade or so and have been giving David Cross weird paychecks uh, but basically it's been 30 years since Roger Rabbit we as a society are okay with cartoon characters existing alongside humans why do we need to make everything incredibly I, furry and realistic quote unquote I neither have an answer for this but I do just want to say that it may just be because my brain just stopped because in picturing Wigglytuff sweaters my mind then jumped to nine tails scarves and wraps that PETA would hate people wearing. Oh I was thinking more like a full-blown Ninetales coat, like one of those really Either way, it's getting ones. red paint thrown on it by PETA activists, <laughs> and that just made me incredibly sad. So, Kev, if you can carry the weight on this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, to respond to what Michael saying about uh, things looking too realistic in Hollywood movies today, it brings me to a question I ask myself almost daily. Why can't every movie be the Wachowski Speed Racer? <laughs> it's an underrated masterpiece. It really. is! Thank you! <laughs> I honestly get choked up to this day watching the final race and with all the voiceovers and everything. I mean, it's a, it's an allegory mm -hmm. for creating art. It's an allegory it for creating art. It's hella anti-capitalist. Mm -hmm. And it looks great. The bright colors, the flashy CGI that doesn't look like all the yellow and gray of like the modern uh, Marvel movies. Yeah. It just looks like what an anime should look like if you translate it directly into live action. The colors, Duke. The colors. And I think the other thing, one thing I will add to Speed Racer's credit is that while being optimistic, it is still realistic and a little bit cynical in the sense that like, you have all these accomplices to the capitalist scheme of the race and like the money scheming and only one of them suffers the consequences. All these mm -hmm. other folks that are complicit in it, like 
completely get to walk away and they just happen to be in the right right, right place at the right time. Yeah. Uh, Welcome yeah. to Mon Men, the internet's favorite speed racer podcast. I'm going to say the Wachowski sisters are hardcore and also John Goodman delivers one of the all-time great cinema puns in that movie, which I will not spoil if you haven't seen it. But go watch Speed Racer and appreciate it. Um, John Goodman is just turns in a John Goodman-level-esque performance, mm-hmm. which is just to say that the guy does not phone it in. I'd say it's more of a John Greatman performance. Yes. So Jigglypuff and Wigglytuff, like I, you know, I've, I've got my thoughts on it relating to the Detective Pikachu trailer. I realized that like you have to put it in there because of like its popularity, thanks to how much it got beaten down our throats from the show. But goddamn, what a shitty Pokemon! And I don't have a whole lot else to say about Wigglytuff because I just hate that Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you'd mentioned before that you feel like it's Kirby on PCP. Yes. Yeah, and. I don't necessarily agree with you, but I do think that it's definitely only still relevant because of the show, and it's only in Smash because of the show, and because they literally were able to use Kirby's model in the original N64 game. Just add some different texture, add some different moves, and boom, you've got yourself a Jigglypuff. Give it actual eyes. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't disagree, but I will say the world would be a darker place without Jigglypuff and Smash. Yeah. If I can't spam, roll out, and kill myself over and over again, <laughs> then I would be much less happy playing those games. I mean, Jigglypuff and Smash is adorable and also has rest, which will instantly murder you. So Such a weird character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm always going to look for little hints that the designers might just agree with with me and not give a shit about the Pokemon that I also hate and Jigglypuff shiny is just like a shade over from its regular form which is to say that they're just rose red as opposed to being like bubblegum pink and I mentioned this with Eradicate like it's just a ginger headed stepchild well I agree but I think I have read I have not found official confirmation of this but how it originally worked with shinies when they first introduced them in gen 2 was they basically went like one to the right or the left on the color palette. So most of those first two gens have boring shinies that look like only slightly different. Like Pikachu is like maybe gold rather than yellow. Uh, but that's unless their original was at the end of a color. So you might have, I don't know how the color wheel works exactly to be honest off the top of my head. I'm not a designer. My girlfriend is, I am not. Uh, but shout out to Meg. <laughs> who does not listen to the show because she does not know Pokemon at all. But I love her still. Uh, so let's say you get the last red one, you've got the darkest red, and then maybe blue is the next, so you get this blue monster instead of a red one. Uh, so they did make some changes, like Charizard got a much more interesting shiny in later generations than he did in Gen 2. So, I don't know, maybe it's lack of interest, maybe it's just like, hey, we're just moving one to the right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't necessarily think that they're disinterested in Jigglypuff, I think it might just be, like how they worked the original shiny formula. I mean, on the one hand, I would counter that Ninetales shiny goes from canary yellow to, like, goes from canary yellow normal to gunmetal mm. colored, as I pointed out. So, yeah, I, but that being said, I am just going to conclude this section and force us into the next one by saying that Wigglytuff is a goddamn waste of a moonstone <laughs> and Zubat is a goddamn waste of more than a single regular Pokeball. So let's get yeah. on to the annoying ass Zubat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, okay. Poison and Flying, which I gotta say, weird, interesting combo. We're probably going to see that again, I think. But first time, it's an interesting, weird combo. I like it. Uh, you first encounter these guys in Mount Moon, and then every goddamn cave in Kanto. 
you're going to walk into a cave and 50 Zubats will say, welcome. <laughs> and you also see them a lot around downtown Los Angeles where I did pick up Pokemon Go on my phone because I have my little hound hour to walk all the time. Guess Shout what? Downtown, Cordelia. downtown LA is mostly filled with Zubat just getting in my way and I hate it. <laughs> getting in your way. I like to picture it literally like you're walking Cordy down the street and then the Zubat flies into your face. You uh, would. <laughs> I feel bad for you because I live Beverly Hills adjacent just to, again, not seem bougie. Uh, I do live in Los Angeles still. You can tell because my half of the road is paved worse than that road on the other side of my house. It's so fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in that sort of, I guess, I guess it's because it's a little more mountainous area, you get a lot of trap inch and sand true, and I'm a happy boy about that. Hmm. Are you basically on that line of, like, county lines where you're basically Johnny Drama from that episode of Entourage, which, yes, I will admit I watched Entourage back in the day, where you're trying to write your city councilman to try to get your zip code just extended like 10 feet so you can put 90210. <laughs> I'm like that, except I don't have a city council to move it far away because I don't want the stigma of being from Beverly Hills. Like. <laughs> These motherfuckers. Um, yeah, so we're dealing with another... We've had some pretty easy real-world equivalents thus far. Jigglypuff, obviously, is the aberration for that in this mm. episode. Although I want to point out, Wigglytuff, 3 foot 3, 26.5 pounds, basically a toddler. Yeah, so you can mm -hmm. punch the hell out of a Wigglytuff. And <laughs> get Are we going to add that to the end of the show now? Like, which of these Pokemon would you punch on the street? It's an alternate for Mon Appetit. If you, cannot, <laughs> if you cannot think of a way you would like to actually cook and prepare them Pokemon, you have to decide which one would you try to box into submission. <laughs> uh, but I do want to point out that, so, Wigglytuff being toddler-sized... Um, again, real-world equivalents, there are bats that are the size of Zubat, and we'll talk about some differences between real-world bats and Zubat in a minute, but Golbat is, surprisingly, five feet tall, according yeah. to the Pokedex. Ooh, that I is know, a right? honkin' bat. You'd think that'd be surprisingly huge, but it's actually comparable to the giant golden-crowned flying fox. Again, Wikipedia link will be in the show note, folks. The difference between this real-world bat and the Golbat is that the real-world bat that I mentioned is not 90% gaping maw of a mouth. <sighs> yeah. Well, let's, get, let's stay on Zubat for a moment. What are your thoughts on the design, Baloo? For what it needs to be, it accomplishes it. It's a bat Pokemon. It looks like a pest. It's sufficient. It's not great. But, I mean, you know, I don't think everything needs to be astonishingly cool. I mean, you have 150 of these things to fill out. You need a Pokemon that is just going to be a pest in the cave. You need the Pokemon that you can picture hundreds of these swarming around Poke Universe's Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Giovanni. That makes him <laughs> suddenly what? reaffirm himself. We covered this in the bonus episode. I thought he was more like the Penguin or like no. Carmen Falcone. No, he's the Bruce Wayne that needed to clone himself into Ash to ensure the future of society in the Pokemon universe. I'm just nodding my head. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm taking it as 100% encouragement. That's all I need. But yeah, so Giovanni being our Bruce Wayne, he probably has that Batman Begins moment where he stands up in Mount Moon Cave and like thousands of Zubat swarm around him. I believe that. I could picture that. And that's where he founds Team Rocket. They're sufficient. Yes, Father, I shall become a rocket. Yeah, they're sufficient. I mean, I don't I don't watch Batman Begins for the, uh, you know, for the 
bats, I watch it for the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying in the Pokemon universe there's Zoo Batman? Are, do you, are you saying that you don't think there is? <laughs> I'm sure there's been an episode of the anime about that. There has to have been. They've done like a thousand episodes by now. <laughs> yeah, there has to have been. I mean, yeah. even South Park had Cartman as the coon. Hmm. So, yeah, we've yeah. they've definitely done Zoo Batman. But... Yeah, the Zubat. You catch one for the Pokedex, and then you use every repel in the world to mm-hmm. keep from having to see that ugly, ugly thing again. That said, I did develop kind of a fondness, if not for the line, because God, even in Pokemon Go, like those things have a tiny little circle you can throw into, and they're just moving about. They are just, they make me angry. But I played in uh, my Omega, Ray, uh, Omega Ruby playthrough. I played with a Zubat that eventually became a Crobat. It was female, so naturally I called it Barbara, like Barbara Gordon, bad girl. Oh, God. <laughs> you didn't realize that when I put it in the notes? And you give me crap for my Batman references? <laughs> <laughs> but I had a, I had a Crocona, no, uh, sorry, a uh, Sharpedo that was named Bruce, like the shark in Jaws. Like, I go for these jokes. My outlet was Oliver Queen because he eventually becomes an archer. He's Shark- a playboy who becomes an archer. Shark and Jaws have a name? Did you mean Finding Nemo? Uh, no, in Jaws, like, they named the robot shark. Like, oh, backstage, oh, they called okay. it Bruce. I now know trivia about Finding Nemo. Yeah, and that's why one of the sharks in Finding Nemo yeah. was Bruce. Yeah. yeah, wasn't the animatronic shark in that movie a huge pain in the ass that would yeah. keep breaking down? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And because Spielberg like, couldn't use it, he made a better movie. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise it would just be about these people being attacked by a really... Kind of fake-looking animatronic shark. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, yeah, I do have some fondness for the Zubat line, mostly because I decided, let's go, let's have a Batman joke for my whole playthrough of Omega Ruby. I but, mean, I just think that we'll, this is another archetype of a real-world inspiration that we'll see again. We'll revisit bat archetypes later on, and I just think that when we do come back to them, preview, we will see it done with much more whimsy and creativity than just a straight-up, like, obligatory phoned-in design, yeah. like what we see. That said, there is some creativity in the design that Darling pointed out to me with regards to the echolocation aspect. Yeah, that it I has know. no eyes, which I think is fun for like going to the extreme with echolocation. Yeah, and it's kind of, this also kind of harkens back to, you know, in the real world, we think echolocation means that these bats are completely blind, when in reality, they just have poor eyesight, but they yeah. use the echolocation to, to accommodate them in the dark, where their eyes just don't do any good. Mm. Um, this just kind of reflects that theory that I referenced, I think way back in episode one or two of this podcast, where Ash is actually in a coma, and because he's such a dumbass, <laughs> he's imagining these Pokemon as his limited dumbass understanding is allowing him to, which is to say Pokemon with no eyes because they use echolocation. Yeah. Um, and when he eventually pictures a woolly bat later on, it's going to literally be a ball of goddamn wool. But again, previews. We'll get back to that. To his credit, Ash did get a B in biology. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as for Golbat, 90% gaping mouth, basically. And I don't necessarily hate it, but I do think that the red and blue sprite with the giant tongue that is like at a 45-degree angle is iconically terrible, and I love it. Um, I'm going to go on the record and say that I hate this design. I Today's the day where I'm just 
full of hatred. I know normally I'm like the bubbly, happy one. Am I? No. Charizard's no, a war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you realized that in sentence. <laughs> Mid-sentence realization of my personality. But no, I hate this design too. I don't like very many of the designs. It's funny how like my balance is offset today by my extreme love of Vulpix and Ninetales and just complete seething ire for every other Pokemon we're going to discuss except one. Teaser. <laughs> Kev, your thoughts? I was going to say Vulpix is like taking all the love. It's, it's not a renewable resource. It has to be distributed in some way. But yeah, uh, I also think Golbat is a really dumb design. I think Zubat's really annoying. I mean, you know, all the opinions I think most people share about them. I think another thing that really bugs me about the line is that they don't learn good attacks. I mean, you had a Crobat, so maybe in later gen. Yeah, I think, like, I was playing Gen 6, so by then it's got some good stuff. Yeah, but, but like, the strongest attack it ever learns is, like, Wing Attack in mm. Gen 1 and 2. And then Haze, which isn't even an attack. Uh. It just is weird stuff. So, so yeah, it's not worth having in a party. So it really is just an annoyance. Uh, also on this line, I have found some... Great Pokedex entries for Golbat. Uh -oh. They really went out of their way for Gen 7, and I have to read them all. Yes, please. It's creepy as hell. I so, like that it's literally a vampire bat. Like, oh, it'll just attack yes. anything and suck its blood. Yes. Pokemon Sun says, Its thick fangs are hollow like straws, and these fangs are specialized for sucking blood. Pokemon Moon adds, Sometimes they drink so much blood, they can't fly anymore, and then become food for other Pokemon. <laughs> um... Ultra Sun says sometimes you'll see Golbat's missing fans because they tried to bite Steel-type Pokemon, which is horrifying. Uh, and Ultra Moon says they can suck over 10 ounces of blood in one go, which I think is actually very appropriate because I just had my blood drawn today, and it was the most blood drawn I've ever had <laughs> in one sitting. They had, like, eight vials, so that's really wow. close to home. Yeah, it turns out when you, like move across the country and have to switch insurance to get a new doctor, they want to learn everything about your blood. <laughs> And so we found our first spirit Pokemon, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that it had to be a Golbat. Aww. So, one more Pokedex entry for Golbat. Uh, Let's Go says, it attacks in a stealthy manner without warning. Which is terrifying yeah. to imagine a trainer walking down a cave, and then suddenly they've lost 10 ounces of blood because a Golbat <laughs> is on the neck. From a 5 foot Tall. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, without warning, it can sneak up on trainers even though it's five foot tall. That is terrifying. God, like that reminds me of, I think it's in either Sun or Moon, but the Gengar Pokedex entry says something about, like, if you see your shadow move, it's a Gengar. Give up. It literally says give up. <laughs> I actually just shivered at that. Yeah. Uh, so, before we move on, I just have a quick little game I want to throw out. Like, you don't have to answer it now. Just think about it. Uh, so, I mentioned how... I had a Sharpedo named Bruce after the shark in Jaws, uh, and a Crobat named Barbara, like Barbara Gordon. So if it were a male Crobat, it could have been Bruce as well. So how many Pokemon, just off the top of your head, do you think I could have a logical reason to call Bruce with a nickname? One that came to mind was a Sableye, because it is dead. And also, for the first five generations, it had no weaknesses. So you could say it was unbreakable. Oh, dear. So you have Bruce Willis from his first two M. Night Shyamalan movies, <laughs> a ghost who is unbreakable. I can't top that. I like so that. I've got nothing. All right, we've got three possible Bruces. Feel free to contact us through however you can contact us. And let us know if you know other Pokemon that could be nicknamed Bruce. And you have to have a good pop culture or historical reason for it. 
So on the podcast, I've referenced my obsessive compulsive disorder in the past um, about how I was so ardent about leveling up my Pokemon that I soft locked my game because my Pokemon stopped obeying me when I played Blue. <laughs> um, that was not an issue with Zubat because I hated Zubat so much that I could not keep that thing in my party. It's the one Pokemon that I actually had to trade to get the evolution. This thing like evolves at level 20, and that's how much I hated it. I could not bring myself to keep that thing in my party for, I think you catch him in like the range of like level 8 or 10. I couldn't keep it in my party for just 10 levels. Wow. So to balance that, here's a Pokemon that I love. The last remaining Pokemon of the day that I actually love, folks. Oddish. This is a grass poison type that is found on Route 5. And it is exclusive to the red version. Which I missed out on because I had to choose between it and Vulpix, but I love Vulpix more. It's also felt to me kind of like the uh, poor man's Bulbasaur. Like, if you had red hmm. and you didn't pick... If you had red, you're probably picking Charizard. That's why you got red. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's why most people got red. Most <laughs> truly got blue to pick Charmander. Um, but You, you got know, blue for Vulpix and Charmander was just the choice you made at the beginning. Yeah, so there was um, so there was your sort of backup choice to get that poison grass type, like a Bulbasaur. It's the poor man's Bulbasaur is what it really comes down to, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but I also commented on this design. I just think it's the the Oddish is the cutest little thing, and I have thoughts on the other evolutions of it. But you know, I just that thought that it looked like Sugimori saying, "Hey, you know that Goomba thing from Super Mario? I'm gonna make it cute," and he succeeded with flying colors. Give it a little marijuana leaf on the top and then we're done. Oh, Oddish. Oddish is 100% down with the bud. He is the bud. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that this is another Pokemon that is a reference to something mythological. This one is based on the Mandrake, which, like, that's a real plant, but the myth is that you pull a Mandrake and it's, like, kind of this humunculus. You've seen this in Harry Potter. It's the one that they have to wear the earmuffs because it just screams. It screams. But this thing yes, on the other hand. One of my favorite bars in LA. Over in Culver City, the Mandrake. Great little modern dive. It's delightful. Does not involve having to wear earmuffs to get into the bar. But this little thing wanders around. It gets around. loud. But, but much like Michael Darling in bars, this little Pokemon wanders around at night. Yeah, I'm, I'm just enjoying Michael Darling's consternation at that joke. <laughs> I'm confused by what he's implying. Again, sorry ladies, he's taken. I do think Oddish is really cute, and then, uh, as we're probably going to cover in a bit, it goes through a bit of a downgrade when it evolves, but... It goes through puberty. Uh, yeah, it's a very, uh, cute little ball of, uh, grass, and... I mean, this is a very simple design, which, you know, you really appreciate sort of the simple designs, especially because there's not going to be many more of them once you get to Gen 5 on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the one trade-off for this, I mentioned this was the poor man's Bulbasaur, and a kind of another trade-off for that furthering that is that you will need a leaf stone to get to that final evolution yeah. it does not level into that final evolution but we'll get there yeah um, one interesting thing to note about oddish is that it's fire red pokedex entry says that its scientific name is odium wanderous and i really want to know more about these scientific names of pokemon like i don't think we've encountered this before where they give like a scientific name and i do find it interesting that we're getting this in the same one where we get alolan volpix's regional name yeah. Which scientists are these? 
I thought the only scientists cataloging Pokemon were these ten-year-olds in the world. <laughs> yeah, I love that we have these ten-year-olds and one old man in Pallet Town. Yeah. I love that we have like seven scientists across the Pokemon universes as we know them thus far, and so far all the work that we've seen them do is hand little kids Pokedexes, but one of them <laughs> apparently decided to look up some bullshit Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Professor Kakui. That's probably his yeah. thing. The hardest working Poke Scientist in the Pokemon. I mean, universe, he's also which, a wrestler, so which isn't saying much. Yeah, which that, means he has an actual job compared that's, to that's the Alola one, right? Yeah, that guy looks like he knows how to party. Yeah, dude is wearing just like board shorts and a lab coat and a baseball cap. He's the best. He is like, real, and he is my friend, and I love him. He reminds me. We're getting me, a little ahead of ourselves with Geo do that. He reminds me of. Uh, all the uh, science majors from my college, which is a very liberal arts college, <laughs> they were all down like that. All right. Good. Well, Let's I'm going to pull us out of this little cloud of Oddish high that we're riding on briefly mm. here and drag us down back into my pit of hatred, which is... We're about to have a bad trip. Yeah, which, you know, speaking to that, when I look at the design for this, I actually thought of uh, the Ten Crack Commandments by the Notorious <laughs> B.I.G. <laughs> and thought of, you know, one of the Crack Commandments being never get high on your own supply. And I thought to myself, wow, this gloom with his drooling mouth and everything and, like, his half-dead eyes looks like he's gotten so poisonous that he's actually high on his own poison now, which... Also, to me, made it feel like this should be the final stage evolution. Like, a Pokemon that's so poisonous, it's actually slightly poisoning itself. Hmm. Like, that, to me, if you had shown me these three Pokemon with no prior knowledge and asked me to put them in order, I would put Gloom last. Hmm. Well, I get why it is the way it is, because it's like the flowers and all the heads like starts as grass, and then it buds, and then it blooms for Vileplume. But you're totally right about the poison aspect, where... Gloom, it's like really intense and drooling. And then Vileplume, it's all happy again. Maybe Gloom is like, uh, maybe Vileplume is just high on its own supply in like a happy way. Gloom is very much the stoner teenager. Like I've mentioned before how the middle phases of three-stage evolutions are definitely the teenagers. They're kind of awkward looking. Very few of them would be like someone's favorite in the line. But I kind of love Gloom because it is such a stoner teenager. It is grueling. So Even the Pokedex a... entry, uh, every Pokedex entry makes reference to how it smells, which is also a connection to what it's based on, because it's visually based on the Rafflesia arnoldi, uh, which has the largest flower of any plant in the world, and it smells horrible. It's a corpse flower. like It smells like death. And so it looks exactly like Gloom. It looks exactly like Vileplume. It's got that red uh, floral, well, that red flower, and the white dots on it as well. Yeah. Speaking of the smell, got one last Pokedex fact I found out that was really fun. Uh, the black and white Pokedex says that the honey Gloom drools from its mouth is so atrocious, smells so atrocious, it can curl noses from more than a mile away. <laughs> like a super skunk or something. Yeah. That's just terrifying. I mean, you guys are giving me a lot of facts that make me want to want to like it, mm -hmm. but I can't get over the lips. And this is something we're oh, going to yeah. deal with in yeah. much worse oh, fashion God. later on in the Pokedex. But Jinx. it just 100%, especially like with sleepy eyes, this just 100%, I have to tackle it, like feels like a racist caricature. Yeah, it of doesn't grass Pokemon. It doesn't help that the original color sprite was black. Like that does not help things. Yeah. I, I mean, know like even the Pokemon cards back then were blue. It was clearly like it was blue bodied, 
but with the limited color palette, you got this black monster with weird lips, and yeah, that's got some bad connotations to it. Now, I will say that uh, I've learned about this uh, in college, actually, taking a lot of Japanese film and sort of other Japanese cultural classes, had a professor who was really knowledgeable about that stuff. What shirt are you wearing right now, by the way? Spirited away. <laughs> I am definitely weeb adjacent. Uh a lot of that comes from a fashion trend in Japan called Ganguro, which Ooh. I will show you some pictures, but it basically involves, for our listening audience, girls in Japan who tan themselves super hardcore and then get their hair super bleached blonde, and almost like a parody of like Cali Surfer girls, mm. and also plumping up their lips is also part of that. And so that is what Gloom and Jinx is going for. It's just, unfortunately, darkening your skin and plumping up your lips has other connotations. Uh, yeah, but I mean, this is also something before. So how about Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball Z? This oh, is yeah. not oh, limited just to Pokemon. This for is something sure. that has definitely been problematic in other Japanese media before. But, you know, I just, I'm not placing any accusations. I'm not here trying to raise a fist and say that, you know, the Pokemon designers are racist or anything like that. It's just a design that just rubs me the wrong way, and this is a purely yeah. visceral reaction based on my cultural learning and exposure. Hashtag cancel it. Pokemon. No, no. Hashtag don't cancel Pokemon, please. We love it. <laughs> That's why we're doing yeah. goddamn Oh, God, you're right. This it. is our moneymaker. Yeah, I just want to absolutely like, agree, and yeah, that fashion trend probably shouldn't be represented in Pokemon, and probably shouldn't be represented on people for that reason. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, like, setting aside the racism, it's an awkward-looking fashion Oh, yeah. Trend. And that's one of my favorite phrases to say, setting aside the racism. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to, I guess, a less offensive-looking Pokemon if you guys are ready. Yeah, we yeah. can close it off with the Vileplume discussion, which is going to be relatively short. It's a big, it's a surprisingly mm -hmm. big Pokemon. Yeah. This is another one where the sprite does not give away the scale, but darling, you did more of the research on this. Yeah. It's a, it's a four-foot-tall thing. Yeah, right? exactly. I, I do like that there's kind of a ugly duckling thing going on here. We've got the cute little oddish... We got the ugly ass plume, and then it turns into this happy little, like, huggable vile plume. I would say this is my huggable Pokemon of the week, maybe. It looks like it gives it hugs. You just need to wear a safety pin on your nose. Well, not a safety pin, uh, um, a clothespin. Yes, yeah. thank you. Safety yeah. pin would be very metal way to do it. <laughs> or also maybe don't hug it because apparently it uses those pretty petals that you want to hug to attract its prey. Hmm. So, I don't know, maybe you are its prey. It doesn't The Pokedex oddly doesn't specify what that prey is. We've mentioned that Ekans very much are specified in terms of, like, in their Pokedex, like what they eat. They eat them Pidgeys. They eat them Pidgeys, and, you know, Pidgeot will eat them Magikarp. But we don't know what these Vileplume are trapping, so there is another Pokemon conspiracy that we need to unravel. What are Vileplume eating? I mean, there's a lot of Pokemon where we need to figure out who eats what. Honestly, would not be surprised if it was humans. Maybe that's where Poke <laughs> Professor Oak is uh, putting all his illegitimate grandchildren. That's why he doesn't know <laughs> his own grandson's name at the start of the He's like Caster in Game of Thrones. Well, yeah. Caster in Game of Thrones. Probably, yeah. He's, and... leaving, he's leaving them out there for the Vileplume offerings. <laughs> I just want to say I have a fondness for Vileplume because the best Pokemon game, Pokemon Snap, has a great puzzle involving mm. Vileplume where there is one in the jungle forest level, and it's sleeping, so you can't get a good picture of it, unless you play the pokey flute, and then it gets up and dances. Yes. <laughs> and that's so cute. And it gets up and sort of like, there's a weird dance depending on the song you play, 
And then, yeah, that's one of the more fun things about that game. Is that why you thought that was the Mon Mom answer? Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, I was probably giving too much credit, but... Um, being too much get, thought into it, but um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez on here. Yes, Pokemon Snap. I was just about to bring that up. Mm. Uh, maybe we do a uh, maybe we do a variation on Mon Mom, and I'll come up with an appropriate pun for it, where it's uh, Mon AOC, <laughs> where she describes one of the Pokemon. For yeah, because she's easy to get a hold of. Yeah, I mean, I'll apparently, just tweet, I'll just tweet at her. <laughs> for those who need the context, uh, there was a great charity stream running raising money for trans children in England charity called mermaids that was streaming donkey kong 64 god that's not relevant it's just a very funny fact about it which is an impossible game to beat and this guy went for the full 101 percent in one sitting only taking bathroom and nap breaks was did this it a in glitchless room glitchless yeah oh, it was wow. like yeah See, i've seen glitched 100 percent runs i no. think it was just under 60 or just under 70 hours something like that and yeah. rose like $300,000, very impressive. And yeah, he got uh, AOC on the stream very briefly. And she talked about how much she loved the N64 and how Pokemon Snap was one of her favorite games. And yeah. that is why I have so much respect for my president. <laughs> you know, we've talked about, um, on this episode especially, like some of the alternate Pokemon games. I just think that one of the more amazing things about this franchise is the way that they've toyed with the idea of Pokemon as a world. Yeah. And this is the beauty of the franchise. It's not the Pokemon themselves. We're talking about the Pokemon as aspects of a world. You know, they've done so much to expand the world. Pokemon Stadium is just a revisitation of the formula on, like, hey, what if you could just, like, go to this, like, arena and pay for, like, fixed-level Pokemon to battle each other? I mean, it's getting to see your Pokemon in 3D. Like, that's enough of a selling point for me. Yeah, but, I mean, all of these feel like visions into a world that they've crafted mm-hmm. you know just like mm-hmm. pokemon pokemon stadium is uh is one thing that exists within the pokemon world that like trainers who don't necessarily have the time to train like 30 something year olds in that world who can't who aren't privileged people like ash that can journey around <laughs> hey guess what you know just like we go to like karaoke or uh you know stuff like that on weekends or escape rooms maybe pokemon stadiums are the equivalent of escape rooms in their universe <laughs> okay Got a birthday party? Pay 30 bucks a person and you can buy, rent a team of Pokemon to battle with, just like you used to when you were a kid. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, then there's the spinoffs that don't fit into the world, like Pokemon Pinball and Pokemon Troze, which... Oh, God. Whatever those are. I love Pokemon Pinball. I played the shit out of that one, and I... God. I'm so sad that that was not available on 3DS Virtual Console. But so mm-hmm. speaking of a Pokemon world within a world, uh, let's talk about Pokemon within our world section I like to call Mon's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my Alright, so boys, I'll lead us off this one. Um, you know, the real, the Pokemon that I really have a thought on, which is kind of inspired by our previous co-host thoughts on uh, the Clefairy, which is that... Uh, Rest in peace, Brad. R.I.P. Brad, mm-hmm. good luck hosting a Digimon podcast. Um, I think Jigglypuff and Wigglytuff would be great for nurseries and daycares. Um, I just think they'd be super caring, super, like, they'd help babies get to sleep, especially in hospitals and things like that. And they just seem like they have the right temperament for that, minus the Pokemon show canon Jigglypuff, who's just... An asshole. A prima yeah. donna asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's my major thought. Um, I'll leave the other Pokemon to you. I think Zubat and Golbat are just dumb and they would be in caves yeah yeah i jumped the gun in this section a little bit talking about how wigglytuff fur can be harvested is like soft silk that's so weird it is 
But uh, yeah, also there's Vulpix and Ninetales, which I think would be great pets, you know? Mm. Besides their capacity to burn down your house, they'd be, you know, fun to have around. Yeah, and... aside from being arson types, they're great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you did sort of get some of that in the show where Brock had a Vulpix specifically for breeding and the Pokemon equivalent of dog shows. I guess there would be contests. <laughs> so, oh my god, you're right. Yeah, uh, they're the ideal sort of like uh, show-off types like the kensington pokemon show <laughs> would definitely feature a lot of vulpixes so after the macy's thanksgiving day parade in the pokemon universe we see the pokemon show yeah okay i can i dig it i dig it uh for me it would be gloom uh which they make reference to its honey drool uh being a great fertilizer despite the fact that it smells like shit uh and apparently its odor is used for perfumes i don't know how they make it yeah. smell good but like, yeah, it seems Gloom has some actual uses for its stoner gruel. It didn't bring up Zubat and Golbat, but I don't think anyone wants a use for them in the real world. Yeah, I just said leave them in caves. That's pretty much it. I'd say blood transfusion, but I don't think it'll work quite that way. Yeah, yeah you harvest the blood from the thing. <laughs> oh, God. But I feel like this is a more fertile section for discussion because, at least for me and my hatred of the Pokemon today, uh, Mon Mods... And, again, remind the listeners, this is uh, the section where we affect one change to mm-hmm. Pokemon. Design, typing, moveset, whatever you can think of. One change to the family, to an individual that you think would improve the Pokemon. So, uh, darling, if you'd like to lead us off. All right, well, so let's go back to Gloom, because I don't know why, but I'm all about Gloom in these sections right now. Both of its evolutions are incredibly cute. Like, you got Vileplume... Which, you know, disgusting flower, but it's got a sweet little you know, kid show face to it. And then you got Blossom, which interestingly enough loses that poison typing. It's just pure grass. And it looks like an adorable little hula dancer. I don't know what flower it's exactly based on, but I had some bushes, flowers in my parents' backyard that looked super like Blossom when, mm-hmm. when Gold and Silver came out. Uh, so what I'd love to see is rather than having two like, adorable... Mm-hmm. evolutions instead what if we go the opposite direction and we start with gloom being gross and disgusting and we just double down on that like we have a vile like even slimier looking plant like maybe just like lose the grass typing be straight poison or dark grass yeah i actually i really like that idea and subsequently turning it into a grass version of one of my other favorite pokemon eevee where it's suddenly this tri-evolutionary path Pokemon. Hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of this, actually. Um, so what would you name this Pokemon? Ooh. What would you name this dark grass-type evolution of a Gloom? I mean, uh, Gloom already kind of lends itself to kind of like... Yeah, and like Vileplume is such a great name for something that's more dark rather than... Mm-hmm. Again, adorable, looks like a kid's show character, kind of. Which, mm-hmm. admittedly, it's Pokemon, so they're all kids' show characters. Yeah, but yeah. this one looks like a Yo Gabba Gabba kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the name would be. Let's you know, draw up something and ask your mom. What about a Gloom Blossom? Like, how about that? For Blossom, Gloom Blossom. Hmm. Hmm. Like, I think that'll just work for now. But hey, listeners, if you want to contact any of us, contact Kev on Twitter because I don't want you adding me. <laughs> Tweet at Kev what you think Gloom's dark grass type should be named. Oh, you've set me up because I'm going to plug my Twitter to the end of the show anyways. And... I figured. It's a gambit. Yeah, yeah there you it go. It was a gambit. 
and I waited until now where we're just a couple minutes away from that plug. Mm. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to say, I think it's a great idea, and a quick aside in there, Blossom's like one of my favorite Gen 2 evolutions. I think I would give a Mega Evolution to Wigglytuff, just because hmm. Jigglypuff has put it in the hours. A lot of people love it. I mean, I know we've had some gripes about it on this podcast, but mm. the fact that it's been in five Smash games, it's had this anime legacy, like people go to Jiggly, go up as Jigglypuff for Halloween, people still remember it very fondly, so I think it's... Really tough is put in the man hours, so like you get that mega evolution. Maybe something where it's like more sonically uh, enhanced. Maybe you just like give it like a giant like stage and a platform and a microphone. I'm trying to think like, of like the body type for like a wiggly type because it just stays like chompy and fat. Like, yeah, just much more with with much more sense of gravity to its like blubber. I think it goes from Jigglypuff to Wigglytuff. So I'm like trying to picture like. Maybe the physical form doesn't change. It just gets in like a Lady Gaga get up, and then oh, it, good. and then it carries like a stage around it. Maybe it has backup dancers that suddenly follow it around. Baloo has put his head to the desk. Lady Gaga get up got me. <laughs> when I think of Wigglytuff, I always think of like a stress ball, and you squeeze it, and it just gets like a little bit bigger on the ends, mm-hmm. but thinner in the middle. So that's what I think of when I think of hugging a Wigglytuff. But yeah, I like <laughs> like Gaga tough there. I actually want to picture like the mega like that next evolution being not necessarily a mega evolution, but whatever the next evolution of like Wigglytuff being like kind of having more of like that later years Elvis Presley body type. Oh like, yeah, it's oh, been God. on the road. It's established itself. It's a star now, and now it's got like because Wigglytuff's already starting to look like Tubby. Mm-hmm. It has much more sense of weight about how its blubber is distributed. Like I feel like that last evolution, like Bigglytuff, like <laughs> should be like just. Elvis, like, with maybe even, like, a hint of, like, the El- the classic Elvis, like, arm wings or whatever. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Like the Captain Marvel Jr. half cape. My mod mod, to close this off, is going to be, because, guess what, as I've pointed out throughout this episode, I hate every goddamn one of these Pokemon <laughs> except for Vulpix, Oddish, and Ninetales, so they can all rot in hell and stay as they are. I'm not going to try to fix a lemon i just want to make the thing i love better and i want a nine tails mega evolution just give me the kitsune just give me that like nine tails as a god goddess evolution and i'll be happy full naruto kitsune mm. yeah just like have it go full dragon ball z super saiyan i don't know like it, you don't have to change it okay so now for my favorite section mon appetit maybe you'd like my personal crack my desk Okay, so I will lead off this time. Uh, I have uh, another bit of a fancy feast, kind of just following with my Nido King flank steak last episode. Uh, this time, I'd like a stuffed Wigglytuff, uh, stuffed with steamed, seasoned, diced Oddish, um, just slow roasted, or maybe Luau style. I think that could actually Luau be really style. well. That like hit me like over a spit roast with an apple in its mouth. Mm. <laughs> And, I mean, I did mention I talked to my my Hawaiian friend uh, recently, so that's why the Luau thing might be in my mind. Also, all the talk of Alola today with the Ninetales variation. So, yeah, let's do a Wigglytuff Luau, spit roast style, and have a bunch of Blossom doing the hula while we eat this stuffed Wigglytuff. That's my Mon Appetit. I can't believe you're having Blossom doing the hula while Oddishes are being cut up to serve on the side of this... They are the winners who survived and made it. What is this Hunger Games you're running? 
called the real world, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Darling? Oh, this has been a tough week for me in terms of figuring out what I want to eat. Because, like, you make a great idea with Wiggly Tough. I feel like it might be one of those things where it's not a main course, but I would definitely find some use for the Oddish line as something edible. Whether it's Oddish as a, a side dish, or maybe Gloom's honey gruel has some function as a sauce or something. Unless you give me a specific way you would prepare this Oddish this week, I have a way that I'm going to force you to eat this Oddish. And you do not want to hear it. <laughs> I like that you imply this as if you've got an Oddish waiting in the wings. I do. <laughs> you captured one? Yeah, so tell me, how do you want to cook this Oddish? I mean, I think I like the idea of steaming it. Like, you know, like I like that idea. You eat a lot of steamed cabbage according to this podcast. <laughs> do I? <laughs> yeah, you do. You end up steaming and cooking. And like We've had a lot of grass types. So I'm going to actually, for the sake of, uh, of this, I'm going to actually say that, no, I think that you're just going to have a regular hot dog tonight, darling. And you're going to have it on the side of that hot dog? All of the monsters as well? No, you're going to have a little Oddish slaw. You're going to have a super <laughs> diced up That's Julienne Oddish. That's a good one. With a bunch of gross mayonnaise that's been left out in the sun just a little bit too long on the counter and then it got turned into the oddish and knowing me it's probably made of zubats as well because you're making this for me no you're eating it in a cave and zubats swarming around god damn it it. that's what you get kev what would you i maintain using gloom's honey gruel as a sauce though there's potential there oh i think it would be a fantastic glaze but you did not decide to use it as a glaze because you were steaming your audience hey i said i would use it as a sauce (laughs) so uh blue i think you have the magic bullet answer like i've been racking my brain i can't think of anything else besides wiggly tough with some audition on the side because gloom and valpum canonically uh have terrible <laughs> excrements. Uh, no one wants to eat a bat. And Vulpix is too cute to eat. So, yeah, you'd want Wigglytuff. You'd want to, like, roast some Wigglytuff. So well, if you're gun to my head forcing me to pick something different, I guess I would, with tears in my eyes, slaughter the Oddish... I mean, not sorry. Slaughter the Vulpix <laughs> I have out back in the little uh, pen that my kids have already named and attached to. But it's getting cold in the winter, and... Wait, Canto needs something. or Alolan? Oh, Canto, of okay. course. Yeah, Alolan, it would cause me internal frostbite. But uh, yeah, if I have to pick something that's not Wigglytuff, just for sake of variety, I have to pick Vulpix. But yeah, the Wigglytuff really is the best answer here. Actually, Darling asking you Alolan or Canto type did just give give me a nice little out for you to potentially save a little Vulpix's Alolan's life, which is maybe you just get like a set of shears and you just do a yeah. shaved Vulpix Alolan ice and have that for dessert. That would be nice. Or maybe even use it to like make ice cream. Like it like cools down some cream. Yeah, you just shear your Alolan Vulpix yeah. every now and then. Keep it nice and tight. And you save those shavings and uh, nice use, it as a car- use it as a dessert garnish. Um, we can have that at our luau mm-hmm. in Alola while Darling is eating his hot dog with Oddish slaw in the cave while Zubat are swarming around him. At Second least I won Mon Mom this week. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, so, darling, who are we covering next week? Next week, uh, well, we've got some more interesting choices for eating, that's for sure. We've got the Paris line. We've got the Venonat line. And we got those motherfucking diglets. We got the diglets, which eventually turn into three diglets. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. I have thoughts. 
All right, boys. Well, it's going to be a very interesting Mon Appetit, but it's going to be a very challenging Mon Mon for me to try to figure out which one of these is going to stump Mr. Darling next week and break that win streak he's starting to establish. <laughs> but uh, before we call it a day, Kev, thanks for being here. Do you have anything you want to plug before we call it? I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me. This is really fun. Uh, we'll be yeah. sure to have you back. Please uh, follow me on Twitter if you like me. I am... Kev Kozer, K-E-V-K-O-E-S-E-R. Uh, ongoing projects I have is another podcast called Talking Who to You, which for the maybe one, maybe less than one super geeks out there who listen to Doctor Who uh, audio dramas, that is a real thing where they have the cast, uh, former cast members of Doctor Who do radio plays in character. Uh, we have a podcast about that called Talking Who to You, me and my friend. There's also a web series on Facebook, if not now, then in the near future, called The Choice is Yours. It is a very unique choose-your-own-adventure-style podcast, uh, written and directed by a very good friend of mine, and I am on sort of the behind-the-scenes crew of that, worked really hard on it, we all did, and I mean a lot if you checked it out and left us a comment, so please check those things out. All right, well, thanks so much for being here. I am looking forward to having you back, just as a... Uh... Tag team for Mr. Darling. <laughs> it has been very fun. Looking forward to being back. It'll be good. But as always, I'm Inata Blue. I was Michael Darling. And this was Monmen. Thanks for being here. Hello, my name is Dr. Green I'd like to tell you just where I'm from. In the hills where the trees grow wild with wheat fields. The fucking pigs with shields holding the blue steel. Greenhouse effect with the wheat connect. DEA can't keep the green thumb in check. Hello, my name is Dr. Green Thumb.